This is where normal comes to die. Mediocrity meets its final demise, and the status quo is unabashedly dismantled. Welcome to Reinvention Radio. Now, here's your host, Steve Olsher. Alrighty, welcome to another edition year of Reinvention Radio. The Steelers are looking to my left and not seeing Mary Goulet, but I'm seeing the amazing Kelly Pelker. Hello, Kelly. Hello. Kelly is in the house. That is awesome. Good to have you here on your way back to 28 inches of snow in St. Louis. Is that um, you're going to hang out with us for a little while longer in San Diego and then back to... Does it? It doesn't even really snow in St. Louis ever, does it? We is that a got like four and a half to four to six inches? And uh, I'm I'm heading home in flip flops. In flip flops, preparedness. <laughs> you obviously were not part of the Girl Scouts. Was that preparedness? Is what's the boy scout thing? I'm trying to do the thing. It's like three was, fingers and then be prepared thing. or something. see. Uh, uh, Richie Ote, what's up, baby? What's going on? <laughs> Mary lays out doing the volunteer work in the world, and wait, wait, holding it down in the studio. Appreciate you guys tuning in. Really excited for today's episode. You know, it's um, we cover a lot of ground. As, uh, as you guys know here over the years, we've covered a lot of ground. From reinventing Jiminy. I mean, I think you think you name it, name it. I think we've done it, right? Reinventing fear, reinventing SEO, reinventing sex, reinventing mar- I mean, like, you name it. I think we've covered it over the years. And most of the time, the people that we have on are people who are outside of the industry, you know, people who have just their own businesses and books and, I don't know, all kinds of different people from all sorts of different walks of life. So when we have somebody who is from the industry on with us, it's always super cool, not only because, you know, there's so much to learn from one another, but also because it's always really interesting to me to see how people got into this world of podcasting and media and being on TV and so on and so forth. And uh, and so today's guest, she's super accomplished. I mean, like, you know, you talk about a, a seriously impressive resume of, of accomplishments in the media space. Uh, what Ashley has been able to do over the years is just nothing short of amazing. And so we, you know, my, actually, it's funny. So I, I met Ashley... And th- and this goes to the power of events, right? I mean, obviously, we do the New Media Summit, and we'd love to have you guys at the New Media Summit. Uh, our next one is in uh, just outside of Tampa, Florida, at the uh, what do they call it? Innisbrook, Innisbrook Resort, just outside of Tampa, Florida. There, and uh, so the New Media Summit is our event where we bring in forty top podcasters, and we give uh, one hundred and fifty attendees the opportunity to meet them and learn from them and pitch them on who they are and what they do. And get booked on the spot, right? So we'd love to have you at the New Media Summit. If you want to get booked on shows, come to the Summit, grab a ticket. Uh, you can do that at newmediasummit.net. You'll get more information there. One of the icons of influence we brought in last time is today's guest, Ashley Burgess. And and, and we actually met at, at another event. And I'm just speaking of the power of events. And, like, you got to get out from behind the behind the desk. You know, you got to get out from behind just what it is that you typically do on a day-to-day. I mean, you got to get out of that environment to go out and meet people and especially in the world now of solopreneurs right and just so many of us being on our own and we have outside people that we work with but in our office directly for most of us it's ourselves and our laptop right so it's just in this world of solopreneurs and coaches and authors speakers podcasters etc so you got to get out right you got to meet people and that's one of the reasons why we you know highly recommend you come to a live event like the new media summit this was an event that we uh, Ashley and I met at which was a podcasting event so 
think we were in Florida, and a group of people got together, went out to dinner. I had not met her before, but she was at the other end of the table there, and we just got to, you know, get to chat and chat and chat, and, and uh, extended the invitation for her to join us at the last New Media Summit, and she just crushed it there, and we became fast friends. Uh, actually, wait, let's just bring Ashley on now, but let's just speak to the power. Ashley, how, how often do you go to, uh, to events? Like, uh, not, obviously you're coming to the new media summit again, but how often do you go to other events? How often do you try to get out of the office? Oh my gosh. Uh, I, not as much as I'd like to. Hey, Steve. Hey, Kelly. It's so great to be on your show, by the way. Uh, I appreciate it. No, yeah. I love your event. I mean, the new media summit is awesome Thank and you, uh, I don't get out as much as I'd like to, to be quite honest with you, but Definitely attending your event was phenomenal, and uh, I just got to learn so much and just so many amazing people. Mm-hmm. Yeah, very, very cool. And so have I been butchering your, your name for all this time, or is it Burgess or Burgess? I just want to make sure I'm pronouncing it the right way. You got it. It's Burgess. Yeah, it is Burgess. It's, like, it's, it's yeah. Burgess. Okay, yeah. good. I, I hate <laughs> butchering people's names. I did that with this one guy, really well-known guy. I won't butcher it again, but like for the whole interview, I butchered his name, and, and I've never lived that one down. So, um, so Ashley, I, I want to make sure that people understand where you – well, let, let's start actually with where you are now, and I want people to get a sense of everything that you're doing in the media landscape because you're, you're – you're, I mean, you're – killing it you're up to a lot of i mean it's just it's amazing when you look at all the things that you're doing i don't even know how you do it all Uh, there aren't enough hours in the day to do everything that you're doing but but bring (laughs) us up to speed on everything that you're doing now and then i actually want to work backwards usually i go the other way around this time i actually want to start with where you are now and then go back wow okay okay so real quick yeah i I have the tv show so the the latest greatest thing that i created was the celebrity perspective and um, we're housed right now on amazon prime and it's a, it's a celebrity driven talk show where, um, you know, it, it's got a twist, you know, it's I, I interview celebrities about deep, hard hitting stuff, you know, and usually they just, you know, we have this unique connection immediately. We discuss everything that's like, you know, from divorce to anything, anything that's really, really a, a big issue in their life. And then, you know, I want them to be honest and authentic and I want them to be true and relatable. And I want them to expose stuff that normally we wouldn't and be very vulnerable. And so the twist in the show is that we switch seats on camera and then I got to be the vulnerable one. Mm. I got to be the one that no matter what they ask me, I got to tell the truth. And uh, so it's a really powerful communication because they know, hey, I'm not going to ask you more than I'm willing to do. But also if I'm asking you a lot, that means that I'm going to throw out a lot as well. And so that's Mm -hmm. that's been a fun project. We're working on season two right now. And um, we're hoping give, to be give us a sense like February. who's who, who's been on that who's been on that show like give us a sense of when you say celebrity perspective like give, give us a sense of who's been on Greg Louganis, uh you know Olympian mm-hmm. Keisha sure. Sharp Lethal Weapon Garcelle Bouvet I think been in about a hundred something movies used to be with Jamie Foxx and the Jamie Foxx show was one of her big deals um, mm-hmm. uh, Chloe Hurst one of the top five supermodels in the world um, let's see yeah. uh, we. Yeah, it, it's pretty. It's a pretty good group. I mean, and, and and this season for season two, we already got a couple of names already in the hat. We already got Gary Busey confirmed. Sweet, um, that'll, that'll be, be interesting, crazy. right? Yeah, <laughs> that guy's always a, a hoot. And, and we got some really, we got some really neat folks. But mm. but yeah, some awesome interviews with some people that you know you've seen on TV, you know, and and you've watched them in films that you love. You watch them in the TV shows that you love. And, you know, it's interesting how we all think that celebrities got it all together and they have it Mm -hmm. all right, but they're human too. And that's part of the show is to say, hey, we're all connected. 
doesn't matter if you're considered a celebrity or not. It doesn't matter. We all have the same issues and problems, and we can all connect with one another. Yeah. And so, but that's not the only thing that you're doing. I mean, you, you've got uh, a show on, well, I'll let you tell it. So talk about the other things. And then you're also a, a therapist to boot, <laughs> right? So <laughs> you, you got a million things going on. Again, I just want to make sure people have a clear understanding of everything that you're up to. Oh, okay. Yeah, that's a good question. So yeah, I've been on the air radio since May of 2012. I uh, have a radio show. It's syndicated in 40 markets now around the country. It's called Live Your True Life Perspectives. Um, show airs six days a week. Um, I'm also the therapist on two other people's shows um, that air, and that's also on um, AM radio as well. Most of my stuff's on AM. Occasionally, I'll get an FM station. I also have a podcast that... Um, what I do with the podcast is I do really cool interviews, like interview Steve Osher, like on on a show that I just had, Sweet. Um, which which is about to come out. But I had to wait till after you know after the holidays to throw that out because we want to have as many people as possible to catch it. Um, but the podcast is really good interview, really deep stuff that I can really go through and have some really good understanding and deep conversations and some great interviews. And what I do is I take a piece of that interview or a piece of that podcast. And I throw it on my syndicated radio show and, and I say, hey, guys, don't miss this. So then the podcast is separate. You got the radio component. You got the syndicated show on that. You got the TV show. But then also, yes, I am a licensed therapist. Um, and if you don't like the therapist and you don't you don't like them because you've been treated poorly by a therapist, I've also gone to schooling to be a life coach. Uh, so I have both of those. And I kind of use both of that training together to make for a really cool uh a cool environment. And I love working with clients because I love mm-hmm. seeing big changes and I love seeing them uh, really awaken to the person and the powerful person they can be. Yeah. So how, I mean, was this always a calling for you though, in terms of being in media and, and interviewing people or were you doing, was there a career before the career? Um, I, um <laughs> yeah, yeah, actually, uh, you know, cause before I got into all this, you know, before I went through all the schooling on, on the second, I call it the second lap of schooling. You know, before you get to that, I was actually doing a lot of um, I was doing a lot of film and video. I was actually assistant directing on a lot of commercials and different stuff like that for a long time. And so that's how I know how to shoot, edit, light anything. And I actually, you know, I hired my own crew and I was actually kind of did a lot of the editing on the first season Mm. uh, of the show. And so that's kind of where I have that whole part of my life, you know, because a lot of people can be on TV, but they have no idea what goes into creating it, writing it, putting it together, shooting it, you know, renting the equipment, setting up the lighting grid, you know, picking out this, you know, picking out a track for a camera. People don't know it, most of that. And so I know all the background on that because I've done it. Mm-hmm. Um, and mm-hmm. so that really helps me to really work with my crew because everybody's like she's part of the crew, but she's in front of the camera. Yeah. So it's it's awesome. So I normally direct from in front of the camera, which I did last season. Uh, and I might do it this season again. I'm not sure. Um, there's a couple of people that might want to direct and, and we'll see, but, um, I don't know. It's yeah. hard to give up that seat. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, no, I got you on that. And, and most of your, you know, most of the work that you're doing, uh, involves, uh, well, the keyword for you, I like the keyword for us is reinvention. The keyword for you is, is perspectives, right? I mean, that's kind of where everything seems to revolve around. And it's an interesting word. Obviously, we all have our own perspective on what goes on in the in the world and life and our own lives, et cetera, right? So, yeah, but but you bring a very unique perspective to the world from the standpoint of mm, I, I don't want to put words in your mouth here, but I mean, you you had some pretty difficult 
issues going on medically that provided a, a pretty unique perspective on, on life and just uh, in general in terms of how you look at what happens on a, on a day-to-day day and living life to its fullest. So give us an understanding of your perspective of, of life, so to speak, and, uh, and why that's become your, your, as I call it, your TOI, your topic of influence, I mean, what it is that you focus on. Just, so to bring us back to what created this perspective for you from a medical, pers- from a medical perspective. That's a great question. You know, um, so, yeah, when I was a kid, you know, when I was born and when I was old enough to realize when I was pretty young, I realized there was something different. Uh, There was something different about me uh, and it didn't seem like anybody else was dealing with it. And um, I I went through life and I was in and out of the hospital. And and there was a couple of years of my life that I actually had to have a private doctor because we were in the hospital more than 200 plus days out of the year. Um, And my parents were really scared, uh, you know, because they just really didn't know if I was going to, you know, hang around. And when I showed up in this planet, I was I was pretty, pretty small and, and very sick. And and it took a long time to get well. And it was interesting when you go through life like that and you don't have a diagnosis and you're going in and out of the hospital. And I actually had my first surgery that was done on me was when I was, what, 16 years old. I was in high school and um, and I'm trying to figure out what's going on. And and I'm having problems, you know, running and I'm doing stuff and I'm, I'm getting it's just I'm not feeling like I should as a 16 year old kid. And I remember the first surgery I had, they thought I had a double um, they thought they, they actually went in and they thought I had, um, uh, what is it? Gosh, I, my, my mind just went blank. Um, uh, a double hernia. Um, mm. and so they went in to do a surgery to take out that double hernia to fix that hernia. And, um, there was no hernia and there was no double hernia and what they saw, they had never seen. Um, at least this particular doctor had not. So they, they, apparently there was a lot of lymph that came out and they almost lost me on the operating table and they had to put in a mesh stocking to, uh, and, and then sew it back up to just try to stop what was happening. And I remember waking up and I remember, you know, being in the recovery room and I remember my mom and the surgeon and everybody and they said, Hey, we really need to go back to the drawing board and, and you know, do some, do an MRI, do, you know, do some scans and really see what we got here. And that was really hardcore. And I remember that kind of escalated the situation because now I knew that I was in pain. I knew that I had difficult walking around. I knew that I didn't, I didn't feel, I knew that to some degree I didn't look like, you know, my friends. Um, and so I went through the various different doctors and they, they tried different things. And then finally, as years and years progressed, I finally got a diagnosis and, um, it took a very long time and it was, uh, they diagnosed me with a venous lymphatic malformation and, um, if anybody has heard about that, that's awesome. Um, but a venous lymphatic malformation is pretty, pretty rare. Um, there are things like, um, arterial, uh, venous malformations that are a little more, uh, mainstream, not that that's not rare, but still more mainstream. Um, but this is when you have a second lymphatic system, um, and it takes up a large amount of your body. And so it wraps around your organs and your spine and that kind of sort of thing. And, uh, it's a very interesting uh, scenario to have. It can be very good, and you can be one of the healthiest people on the planet uh, if if you take care of yourself and do everything by the book. Um, but if you're in like an accident or you have any sort of surgery or whatever, it actually fights. And so there's there's like a little bit of fighting over oneself. And so I ended up finding a, a doctor that decided that it would be best for me to uh, you know to to have surgery to try to get rid of this and and go through this process. And so we did another several experimental surgeries. And I remember when the doctor came in, the surgeon said he doesn't know how many, but the good Lord hadn't told him. He was thinking maybe about 60 surgeries, one every nine to 12 weeks. And I had to go under full anesthesia. 
each time. And then I was in a wheelchair for two weeks after each one of his surgeries because they were injecting pure ethanol alcohol with a, a gun type situation up inside. Very wild stuff. Wait, I'm just um, trying to picture this. So are you, are you saying that this is like what I'm what I'm picturing is is sort of uh, like a like a rope, so to speak, kind of some sort of living rope, if you will. That is, I don't, I don't know, worm, whatever you want to call it, but something that is like wrapping itself around the organs and like I'm, I'm trying to picture oh, yeah. what that actually looks like. So, I mean, is that a safe well, uh, you know, analogy you know how, or, or am I way off base in terms of what I'm envisioning here? Well, I think that's a good analogy, but you know how we have our lymph nodes and our, and our, and our lymphatic system now, you know, when you, when you look at the lymphatic system now, um, you know, go to any sort of like, you know, biology or anatomy book and you can see how the lymph, the lymph system carries the nutrition and what have you throughout your body. You know, it, it, it basically is your lymph system is basically kind of like, um, for better words, it's kind of like the trash depot. You know what I mean? Like, so you have like, you, you, you get rid of waste and stuff like that through your lymph nodes, your lymph system, your lymph system cleans out your body. I just um, realized that I know nothing. <laughs> about how the body works. Like, I don't even know where my lymph nodes are. Like, are they... Throughout your whole body. They're everywhere? I'm, well, I mean, yeah. lymph is, but lymph nodes... What is are lymph? Like the two biggest areas probably right <laughs> I don't even know what lymph is. Well, I know how to spell it, but I don't even know what it is. Like, is it a thing? Like, it sits somewhere? Like, lymph nodes are in one place. Well, lymph nodes are all over your body in certain places and certain locales. And then your lymph system runs – your lymph system is kind of like, you know, the bus lane that runs throughout your entire body. Hmm. Um, and so, like, it's, it's like a fluid. So your lymph is like a fluid that contains, like, the white blood cells. Okay, so it cleans, like, your tissues and it drains your lymphatic system into the bloodstream. And so its, it's primary function, right, is, is – uh, it's responsible for, like, the, uh, the fluids from your tissue. It transports, like, fatty acids and – from your digestive system, it's kind of like it's kind of a big deal. Like it keeps us alive, right? And you've heard of somebody that says that they had like a cancer of the lymph nodes or cancer of the lymph system. And you know, on the opposite side, that that a person in that situation can can die very quickly mm-hmm. because your lymph is what carries to everything in your or all your organs to all your body. It's like the cleaning system. Jesus, wait, so the, jo- wait hold on, wait, wait. I think has personal experience here or something. What? What is well, it? Well, sir? no, and she just touched upon it. Your lymph system is the sewage system in your body city that takes all the waste of your cells themselves and then takes it into your big sewage system, which we think of the intestines. That's what I think of. All right. Well, this is the sub sewage system that's going into that gives is access to all your cells. So the cellular waste can be taken out. The problem with it is. It doesn't have a pump the way the heart does, and so typically motion. Yeah, massages or it is what causes it. Like Tai Chi is designed to move your lymphatic fluid through your body. So that's what the lymphatic system. All right, for those of you who think there is no God, like (laughs) how do we explain all this? Like really? Like I mean, the body is unbelievable. It's it's so it makes what it needs to do. It's so complex. Like, I, I mean, where did this, all this, I don't well, know. Just, I, that's just, a whole other conversation, well, yeah, but my but, God. Just to throw in, we can see an evolutionary path from the cell through this. So there is a logic to it if you go to college and study all this kind of oh, crap. Oh, that, that explains a lot. I know exactly what I did through college. All right, so <laughs> Ashley, so just, just so I'm clear on this. So this this lymph mm, rope 
kind of thingy sewage <laughs> system thingy. This was all infected, like no, messed well, okay, up. See, like, see, I I have two of them. Did so, they fight so, with each so other? M- most most yeah. mortals on this planet are born with just the one system. So I got born. So okay, let me explain it. When you get when you get conceived in the womb, okay. So you know your mom and dad get together. They yes, have sex. Please describe you know, all of that for us, Ashley. You, we have a bean <laughs> in the stomach now, right? When you when you start, let's say that's an A, so a little A. So you go through A, B, C, D, E, F, and eventually you design as as a as an embryo. Okay, you you create this really elementary system of vessels. Um, it's like your first lymphatic system. It's like your very elementary system of vessels. And then about M N O P Q, you actually develop a, a more sophisticated the lymphatic system you have now, and you eradicate that first simple system of vessels. Well, see, mine never eradicated the first one. Oh. So I have two. So. So is this like? I mean, just so I'm clear, is this like? One in a million, one in a half of like like what what are the odds of having two lymphatic <laughs> systems? Like I, I, I didn't even I, I didn't know there was won one. The lottery I already a multiple times. I should have. <laughs> right. Um, it's I'm one out of 180 million. Wow. 180 in the world. Oh, 180 uh, people. One out of 180. So that's that's they have 180 it, cases right now that they have defined out of seven billion people. There's, out of all these people, because oh, it's wait, not but that's like that's uh, that's all, over all time. You're one out of 180 people ever diagnosed. Yeah, that they've ever been diagnosed. able to document, diagnosed, and um, yeah. because it's not, you can't get it from your parents. It's not congenital. It is a, it's it's an actual unique. They call it a glitch, but it's a very unique glitch that hardly anybody ever gets. And so that's how unique it is. So that's why it was so hard for them to ever diagnose me. That's why they had experimental surgeries thinking I had something else because they had really legitimately never seen it before. Oh, my God. So so when they realized that this is what was going on, I mean, with only 180 cases ever being documented, I would venture to guess that the the solutions that were available to you, this isn't one of those things where they throw millions and millions and millions and millions of dollars of research at and, like, try to find solutions for because they're like, eh, you're kind of screwed. Yeah, you, you like I mean, you, limited you, market. You, there's a limited market for that. We're not developing drugs for this thing. So, I, I mean, there must have been no, like, was there any yeah. any cases of of other people having this and being and being cured? Like any? Yes, Wade. Yes, please. Oh, well, I, I didn't want. Did you have this too? Is that why you're? No, no, no. no I didn't want to interrupt you mid stride. But I found it fascinating, and it could be survivor bias, right? You only hear the stories of the people that survive, but the number of people that have like really oddball things that an odd set of circumstances connected them with somebody that had some kind of solution, right? They were visiting a hospital, and this other doctor rarely was in this hospital, but bang, you know, kismet, whatever. Did you have any, through your experience, any, like, odd connections that really helped you through the process? That's interesting that you asked that. So, okay, so I went through all these different MRIs, angiograms, CAT scans, and I mean, I I can I, I think I've had at least fifty in my life. My um, went through all these different experimental surgeries, was kept at various hospitals against my will, um, and you know, fast forward, my boyfriend was on a flight. We were living in Miami, and my boyfriend was on a flight, and he was heading to Annapolis, um, and he was sitting next to a guy um, that they just started talking. 
And he said, hey, and, and I don't know what they got onto, but they started talking about medical stuff. And then I guess they started talking about me. I think they'd had a couple of cocktails already on the flight. And he said, by the way, my girlfriend's got this. I, we don't know what it is. We, we have, you know, we don't have any clues. She's been, she's been misdiagnosed before. And, and so in, ended up this guy, actually one of his medical students, one of the guys that went to med school and he, like he was a mentor of, had started a facility in Colorado that was uh, for, you know, uh, lymphatic, different lymphatic issues. And he said, well, you know, maybe she might want to go there and check it out. Well, come to find out, he actually had the lymphatic malformation center. When I went in and they wow. did all the scans and they did the MRIs and everything. And that's when he said, wow. Okay. So this is when I finally got the full diagnosis. He mm. goes, you have a venous lymphatic malformation. Wow. Okay. This is awesome. I mean, it was like, <laughs> it was like, you know, I don't, I don't know. It was crazy. I was like, okay. He's like, let me see this bad boy. This is awesome. You know? And, and I'm like, okay. And so he's like, I think you have one of the largest ones we've ever seen. And you're one of the smallest patients that we've ever seen. And so he was like, this is phenomenal. Huh. And I'm like, okay, tell me what we do now. So we, so he's like, well, I'm going to do these injections. So he was injecting. This is all experimental surgery now, okay? Like you're, like you said, this isn't like big dollar, you know, muscular dystrophy or or breast cancer. This is, you know, we got a few people in the world that have it, and hey, if they live, great. If they don't, well, you know what, it is life, you know. Mm. And so uh, I, he said, you're going to do these surgeries, and I'm going to kill off the pockets of this uh, uh, venous lymphatic malformation by using this ethanol alcohol. And causing thrombosis throughout your body, which is blood clotting, which we right. normally do, we do not want, really. Okay, a little foreshadowing, mm. and um, and so I said, okay, let's do it. So we we did a, we did one. I went up there and I stayed there for a week, and um, we did one, and they caused thrombosis, and I was in a wheelchair, and then I flew back to Miami, had my wheelchair when I came off the plane, and there you go, and I did that. You shouldn't be flying with blood clots. Like that's like, isn't that a cardinal sin to fly with blood clots? Like, isn't that it's risky. It's super it's risky, risky, right? No, but nobody tells you that, though, you know, in the beginning of this. This is all, like, experimental, and nobody says anything. They say, we'll see you back in 9 to 11 weeks. Hopefully. I go back and I go right. back and do it again, same thing. And then all of a sudden, the next time, um, it was about two weeks after the procedure. I'm back in Miami. I'm finally out of the uh, wheelchair, and I woke up. I'd been asleep that night. I woke up that morning. Um, you know, my boyfriend had already taken off uh, to go running and to do stuff before work. It was probably about 7. I wake up with my head in the pillow and I can't move. You're just um, paralyzed. Yeah, I couldn't move. And uh, thank God uh, the housekeeper came a few hours later and helped me. And we got to the hospital. I went to Mount Sinai for a week, which they would not let me go when I finally was able to move. But they didn't know what had happened. And I had no idea that it had anything to do with the surgery. Um, and so they couldn't. And so when I finally said, by the way, they said, have you gone to international? Have you been in Africa? Have you done? I'm like, I haven't been to Africa. I haven't been flying international. And then it hit me and I said, oh, I had alcohol embolization done, um, you know, under anesthesia two weeks ago. And they were like, whoa, 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 what's that? So the next thing you know, I got like 10 surgeons in the room. I got people taking notes like they had done my whole life. Okay, this is, I'm, I'm like, I feel, I mean, I, like, you know when they joke around the medical marvel, you know, they all mm -hmm. want to sit there and ask, it, you're tested on like crazy. I feel so bad for rats and gerbils and everything because I feel like I have been one of my, they were like my brethren. Oh, so, um, you know. Well, I, that's I, why, I, the, that's why they call us patients because we got to have patients and that's why they call it a practice because they're just practicing on it. Trying to figure stuff out. <laughs> that's hilarious. It's so true. <laughs> 
but yeah, so I went through all that, and then um, uh, yeah, I, I guess I guess because of the thrombosis and because of that 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 alcohol is actually quite lethal. Um, you know, it, it actually could have killed me. So um, when they asked me to come back in for another surgery, I said, "You got to be kidding me." Uh, I said, yeah, I'm done. I'm done with this. This is a death sentence. Mm-hmm. And when I walked in there that last time to see them, the few patients that were there were complaining about their pain and complaining about their health. And they were you know, asking for their morphine, their dilatin. Uh, and that was a big red flag to me because I was there for the pain. Um, and that's when I put my foot down and I said, I- I've got to find something else. I said, I feel like the way that we're going right now, y'all are going to kill me. Yeah. And I said, I'm pretty sure you're going to kill me. So I said, so I'm, I'm done. And I, and I walked out, I walked out that office and I got it. I walked through, I guess I walked about a mile and my husband at the time was wondering what the heck's going on. And I called him on the cell phone. I said, we're leaving Colorado. We're driving back home. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's when I ended that entire thing and that whole chapter of my life. And I took my life into my own hands and I got my health back online. And I said, you know what? I think I can live with this. And that's what I, that's when, that was the beginning of the, the big change. Um, I just wanted to interject real quick. It's amazing from that alcohol deal through, say, chemotherapy, how many times the medical solution is, well, we're going to almost kill you. Right, we're going to almost kill you, and that should solve the problem. You know, it's like in The Princess Bride. He's mostly dead. He's not completely <laughs> dead. We're just going to make you mostly dead, and <laughs> fingers crossed you're going to come back. It's yeah. amazing. Wow. So needless to say, uh, Ashley, you bring a very unique uh, perspective to the, t- <laughs> to the table here, and, uh, and, and that's why I think this has become the... The word that you that you live by here is just knowing that every well, all of us have a, a unique perspective that we that we bring to to one another and to conversations and to life and business and so on and so forth. So, I mean, it's it's an unbelievable story. And at the end of the day, here you still you still have this, right? I mean, you're not you're not cured from it. You're just living with it. Yeah, you're exactly right, Steve. You know, I'm, I still got it. And what I found out is I figured I, I figured the one thing that the doctors weren't figuring out is that you know what. If I do what's right by my body and I take care of it, like super, super, super take care of my health and take care of my body and do everything I can, will I sometimes be in pain? Yes. Will I sometimes have pain where I can't walk as far as I want to? Sure. But you know what? I have really realized that I could be one of the healthiest folks here. And the thing that it also taught me is, you know, back when I was going through those surgeries and not knowing if I was going to live or die, that's what really changed my life is that I got to know people really, really, really well. And I got to know him really quick because I didn't really know how much longer I had with him. Mm. And so that's why my whole life changed. And that's why I take that into every single day of my life, because we really don't know how long we're here. And I lived in that fear for so many years of my life. Um, and most people never have to go through that until the end of their lifetime. Yeah. And, and I got to do it in the very be- in, in the beginning, in the middle. And, 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 and I mean, I got to do it in the early part of my life. And so I'm like, OK, well, hopefully I don't have to do it again. Um, but you know, I got, I got to, I got to explore that and it was scary. But the cool thing about being that way was like, I went, okay, well, let me get the most out of every single day. Let me get the most out of every single person I meet. Let me tell them exactly how I feel about them. Let me tell them I love them. Let me say it. Even if I feel uncomfortable about it, even if they kind of look at me strange, I don't care. Cause I don't know if I have tomorrow to tell them. Mm-hmm. Uh, don't you have other surgeries that they're wanting you to do? Oh, they would have loved to just continue to just have some fun. Yeah. Um, but you're not you know, going to do them. No, I'm not. And, and and so I'll give you a little a little heads up, too. So that that surgeon that did those those last experimental surgeries on me, 
you know, I cut ties and, um, it was bad. I mean, you know, that's not something you want to do to your body. And, uh, I cut ties with them and I was at a doctor's office, um, years later and we were having a conversation and he went to Harvard, uh, and he was at Harvard medical school and he was telling me that he actually worked with some folks that, uh, for, for lymphatic, uh, malformations. And I said, Oh my gosh. I said, do you know this doctor? And he said, yes, I do know that doctor. And he mm. said, did you go to him? And I said, yes, I went to him for multiple surgeries. But, you know, he was wanting me to go there for the next two or three years. And I said, and I put my foot down and I said, I'm going to take my life in my own hands. And he goes, well, I'm glad you did because he goes, he killed four of my patients on the table. Damn. Holy cow. Wow. Okay. So, and he lost his license for a period of time and I'm sure regained it. But that's the thing is that when you're in these experimental surgeries, like the stuff that I had to sign off on every time was basically saying, hey, if I die, my parents or anybody, they can't sue because mm-hmm. I'm agreeing to do this. And mm-hmm. and when you when you do that, it, it's it's crazy. It, and it puts things in a different perspective. And you don't ever think it's going to happen, but killing four people on the table on that, that's, that's, a big deal. that's a big deal. So you must get pretty pissed when you see folks who have, and, you know, look, here in the in the States, I mean, even those who don't have it so good have it. Uh, much better than a lot of people in in a lot of the world, right? So reality is you probably get really frustrated, or let me just ask you this. Do you get frustrated when you see folks who seemingly have everything that they need to, to be happy and to just have really amazing, productive lives? I mean, do do you get frustrated when you see folks who take all of that for granted and just uh, seem to be ungrateful really for, for what they've been given? Great question. Um, no, I, I, I used to kind of see it kind of funny and, and now, you know, what I realize is that they just haven't been through anything that makes them think about it. It's, mm-hmm. it's not until you go through it, you know, you know, it's kind of like the thing, you know, when somebody loses their father and they, them and their father are real close, you know, and, and, and they'll be saying, like, hey, I'm really sad that I lost my dad. It really hurts. And, and for other people that haven't lost a parent, they, they don't understand. Mm-hmm. And so un- until you've really been there and until you really have been in a life or death situation, I mean, especially over a period of time, I mean, folks that are battling cancer, folks that are battling, you know, heart disease and, and folks that have been in a, in a horrible accident, um, you know, where they're holding on for dear life, those are the people that can understand where I've been. Um, other than that, you know, I got, I kind of feel bad for him because I have a bad feeling, you know what I mean? That I, I know that eventually we got to find that. Mm-hmm. And, and I would hope that they would find it without the pain and suffering. But many people go down that road and we see it, you know, in older age where people are really suffering and then they finally put one and one and two and two together. And, and I, and I, you know, I don't want wish anything on anybody, but I, it would be nice to have them recognize what they have without having to go down that path. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like the people that, you know, people that have chronic pain and different issues and stuff like that to deal with that you don't you don't see them going through it every day. And, you know, like yeah. you're supposed to be bedridden and all, you know, well, nothing's wrong with you. Mm-hmm. And that's yeah, I applaud you Ashley for the way that you've handled all of this. I think it's awesome. Yeah. You're awesome. Thank, thank you so much. Thank you. I just want to help other people and my thing is that you know, if you can, if you can like figure it out, like life is all full of weird curveballs. We all have our issues. Every single person has to deal with something. Um, but it's like figuring out what is it that we deal with? How do we deal with it? And then how can we take what we dealt with 
um, and help other people and share with other people. And there was a time in my life where I didn't share this with people. Uh, there was a time in my life uh, I didn't start sharing this with people until literally uh, I, I met a guy that was working at Heritage Auction House. And I give him a copy of my book. His, his, no, his wife had bought a copy of the book on Amazon, my first book, and she read it. And she actually asked her husband to reach out to me to figure out what was up with me. And so he reached out to me and he said, could you come to lunch with me? And I did. And so we went to lunch and he said, hey, my wife loves this book, but you're not old enough to have written this book. How are you wise enough to have written what's in this book? Mm. And, I, and, and I said, oh, well, I had some back surgeries because I've had spinal surgeries. I've had all kinds of stuff outside of this, too, on top of that. Right. So I said, oh, I had a couple of spinal surgeries and this and that. And he was like, really? He goes, that, that's it, huh? And it just hit me. And I said, no, that's not it. And uh, I got real. And it was the first time I'd really told everybody, told somebody about this whole scenario. And he looked at me and we were both crying in the middle of this restaurant. And he said, that's the Superman comment, com the com uh, comic, the Superman comic, because he's a heritage auction guy. He goes, it's the one of one. It's the one in the acid free paper that you find in the attic. That's your story. He goes, the other stuff's just crap. Mm. That's your story. And he goes, and, and, and that's why my wife fell in love with what you wrote. And that's why you're wise enough to write this because you've been through it. Yeah. And I remember it hit me like a ton of bricks. He goes, you need to go to Office Depot and you need to write all this stuff down on a piece of paper. And it took 55 pages. I wrote 55 pages by hand that afternoon in two hours. And I realized, I said, OK, I got to get real. And, and I said, even though it hurts me and I felt a lot of self because um, it, it messes with your self-esteem. It really does. I mean, when you're a kid and you're sick, you're like, I can't even get this right. Mm -hmm. I can't even be healthy. This is crazy. And so it really messes with your self-esteem and self-worth. So anyway, but I got through that and I realized, OK, I'm not going to like sugarcoat it anymore. This is the story and I need to stand behind my story. Mm -hmm. Do you, is there a life expectancy? I mean, I, you've probably exceeded all whatever expectancies people would would tag to this i would think just given everything that you've been through and all the surgeries and anesthesia and you know uh, the alcohol and being uh, i mean like everything being thrown into the system and whatnot so i'm sure you've exceeded expectations in, in many ways but did, have you ever been given a, a diagnosis in terms of what the life expectancy mm -hmm. actually is for you you know, I, you know, I've never asked for it. And the cool thing is, is that I think I'm probably going to be one of the oldest living people that has ever probably walked this planet. You know, I I don't listen. I only listen to doctors now when I know what they're talking about. And that's one thing that I I, I love a lot of people in the profession. Um, I love a lot of surgeons. I got a lot of friends that are doing some really great stuff with stem cells and what have you. But I think I'm going to live for as long as I want. Hmm. Um, but I think if I was going down that same pathway, I, I don't, I don't, I don't think I would still be here, Steve. I mean, if hmm. I, if I would have continued with what they were doing to me, I, I think I would have already passed on. I would have already, number five. yeah, right. Yeah. I, I would have already passed on it. I wouldn't still be here. Yeah. You know? So, I mean, look, reality is you, you the perspective, right. That you have on life at this juncture is let me live life to the fullest. Let me do whatever I can to um, to help others and, and add value as I can. I'm sure you are trying to do whatever you can to maximize however much time you have left with us. But I, I, I'm wondering if there's still – you've come to terms with this. You've obviously made peace with what's going on. But what, what do you still struggle with? 
Well, you know, it's interesting. The other day I had a really amazing experience. I had some folks come in from Brazil and we had, we did a really amazing meditation and it was really powerful. And you know what I was able, and, and it was really wild because I actually was able to really get deep within me. And I realized, and I'm so glad you asked this question. I realized that for so long I've been seeing the Venus lymphatic malformation as a separate entity. I've been seeing it as separate from myself. I've been seeing it as a malformation, okay, which is all wrong. And I realized, okay, I have to love every part of my body and I got to accept it and I got to merge it and I got to love it and I got to care about it because you know what, when you really think about it, you know, I think the reason why I was given it was to live. And, and I think my mom had three miscarriages before she had me. Hmm. And after the third miscarriage, the doctor looked at her and said, ma'am, you're, you're crazy. You, you're not going to be able to have a child. And if you do, that child's not going to be well. I think that if I wouldn't have had this, um, because now I know of all the awesome parts about this thing, that I probably might not have been here either. Mm-hmm. So I actually worked in this meditation to, incre- to basically include and to emerge my whole body together and to really solidify that. And it was super powerful. And anybody that's out there that's dealing with, you know, something that um, that they feel different about or, or odd about, and, and it's something that they can they can kind of merge in, it's, it's powerful because all of a sudden you realize it's not separate from me. And so I used to battle that, and now I'm not. And now I'm, like, so happy about who I am as a person, as an individual – but, you know, the only thing I battle with, honestly, besides not having enough time in my life to do everything I want to do, I feel like in a day-to-day basis, is I want to touch as many people's lives as possible. I want to connect with millions and millions of people. And, and, and that's something that I've found. I, I've got to figure out how to do it. And that's why I have the show. And that's why I keep racing against the clock. Um, because mm-hmm. I do. And, and, mm-hmm. and that that would be the thing that keeps me up at night steve that you know kelly you know i've told you about this i mean that that's the thing that keeps me up at night that's the thing that i'm like gosh how do i hit you know an arena you know eighty thousand people where we can talk to people and really help them harmonize themselves and find who they truly are and overcome the demons and overcome the things that hold them back and really really like say hey you're awesome and you just got to see that you're awesome and that's what I work with with my clients is overcoming that negative self-talk and that negative broken record. And, you know, we're not taking – we're not keeping the negative and adding positive because to me that's poo and that's perfume. And poo and perfume do not smell good. Mm. Got to get rid of the poo first, you know. And that's the thing is that we got to figure that out. And I can really help that. But I see the clock ticking when I'm working. And I love working with individual clients. But I think, you know, the more people you can touch, the more powerful it is. And that's – I guess that's one of the things that I, I grapple with a lot, Steve. So I have a question. Um, Do you get involved, since there is such a small number of people that have this, do you Mm -hmm. get together to in any way, shape, or form to support each other? Or do you know any of the other people? Um, I don't know anybody else that has what I have. I have met people with arterial malformations, uh, AVMs, that are are more uh, widely known. Um, And it's interesting because I actually went to a... um, I went to a retreat a year ago and it was so, it was so odd. I met this lady and we, you know, she's like the most beautiful woman that was there, you know, um, six foot, you know, blonde hair, gorgeous, you know, and, um, just like angelic looking lady. And so the next thing you know, she starts talking to me and we kind of hit it off, but that was it. And then about a month later, a friend of mine called me and said, Hey, I have a friend that's in some real, real issue. And her, she has an arterial malformation, which is very different. 
but it was also it was in her throat. And so what would happen is it would actually enlarge um, with when they couldn't figure out what was causing it to enlarge. Obviously, it was blood flow, whatever it is, but it would cut off. It would close her throat off. OK, and so the, the, the fear is that she will die, you know, that one day she's going to not be able to breathe. You know what I'm saying? And so th- there's a there's a bunch of people that want to do surgery. So my friend called me and said, hey, there's a friend of mine that's going through this AVM. Could she talk to you? Because I know what you have. I know it's not the same thing, but y'all can probably bond. And I said, yeah. So she gives me the number. It was the girl from the retreat. Mm. OK, so that's pretty wild. I mean, like I was like, what? And she's like, oh, my God, we met each other. And I was like, what? And so she sends me a text with her picture. And I'm like, oh, my God. Um, we bonded because she had nobody to talk to because nobody understood the fear that she's had because she's had this or like she's had this since she was with AVMs. You can get those um, in your life. They're not you're not born with it. You can also get it when you after you have a child. There's a lot of different things that are ways you can get that. But I was there to help her because nobody really understood the fear, because, again, I mean, how many people go through a surgery like that? Um, yeah. People just don't. I mean, even her husband didn't even know what to say to her. You know. Yeah. You know, it's, it's interesting. Hi, Ashley. By the way, it's Richard. Having hey, Richard. How you doing? Said hello. Doing great. Thanks. Good. Good to, good to hear your voice. <laughs> Thank you. Good to hear yours as well. So, um, one of the things to kind of go back to the word of the day, um, perspective, right? So we talk about nature and nurture here all the time. Right, we're born to be that way, and this is just what was supposed to happen to keep you alive, like you were saying just a minute ago, or you know, nurturing, and then that turned it into what it was supposed to be doing. And we've kind of, even though we have the debate, we've kind of more or less have agreed it's it's both, right? And some to some degree, it's both. No, it's not both. I, I, it, well, I think well, okay, if it's not both, it's nurture. But time. okay, yeah. See, okay, so put your entrepreneurial spirit down in Zimbabwe and see how that works. Um, so, um, so, but where I was going was how much of how you feel right now changed for the better when you changed your perspective. You yourself nourishing yourself and saying, F these guys. I'm not doing these surgeries anymore. I'm not doing this. I'm going to live as long as I want to live. You still, it sounds like there's still things that pop up, but it also sounds like it's not as much since you took on that new perspective. Is this true or am I reading between the lines wrong? Oh, no, you're reading it straight up. You know, um, when, when, I, when, it, when I took my life into my own hands, I remember when I was inside at the hospital in Colorado, and they said, "They said it's you're here because you're deformed. You're here because you you want to change that." I go, "I'm here because of the pain," and I said, "I don't want more pain." I said, "All these people are out there. The three people out there are complaining about the pain, the debilitating pain they're in. Okay, and they're asking for morphine, and they're asking for dialot." And I said, "I don't want that," and I said, "You know what? I'm done." I said, I'm not going to sign up for any more surgeries. I was like, I want my MRIs. I want my copies of everything. I'm done. And my husband had had to go out to take a call, and he had no idea that I was about to, like, put the kibosh down on this thing. Mm. So he's out there, and I didn't even say anything. I said, go on and give me the copies of that stuff. And they said, that's going to take us a couple hours because they had the whole surgery. It's a big hospital. And I said, that's fine. You take your time. I'll be back. And I walked outside, and I took a walk. And that's when I said, I said, you know what? God, help me. I said, I need to figure this out. And, um... And I figured it out. And we drove all the way back from Colorado to Dallas. And I think my husband said I said two words. And um, 
that was it. And I, I remember I got home and I said, "This is I'm done with this." And and that's when I said, "You know what? I'm no longer going to keep. I don't want this handicap sticker anymore. Okay, I'm going to figure out how to overcome this. I'm going to figure out how to deal with this. I'm going to figure out how to take my diet and make it right. I'm going to figure out how to build muscle so I don't hurt so bad. I'm going to figure out." And that's what I did. Mm-hmm. And 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 when I finally realized that I had the power to change, when I realized that. That changes everything. Mind is so powerful. And when you believe and know, hey, I have the power to do whatever I want, that's when it hit me. And I remember it was probably a couple years after I did that, and I was looking at myself, and I called my my, my doctor called me, and he said, hey, uh, I need to go on and fill out that form since you will not get a permanent, because I would not get a permanent handicap sticker. And uh, he said, why not? He said, you only have to do it one time then. You can get a permanent one. I don't have to keep signing this document. You don't have to keep going and standing in line at the city hall thing. I said, no, no, I, I don't I don't want a permanent one. And so when he called me, he said, do I need to sign that? Do you want to fax that over to me or send it over? I said, I don't need one. He's like, Ashley, come on. Mm-hmm. And and I remember that day like it was yesterday. And everything changed. And um, that's what I think is powerful. And that's what I want people to remember is that these doctors can tell you all kinds of stuff. Some of them are very good doctors. I'm not getting down on everybody in the medical industry, okay, because I'm in the industry myself to some degree. Um, but what I am saying is that, you know, have some belief in yourself and realize that you can make these changes. It's scary with people with cancer. They're, they're fearful. They go, you know, doctor says they got six months to live. Oh, my God. Mm-hmm. But there, there's so many things you can do. There's so many diets. There's so many different ways you can go by dealing with this and um it's powerful and it's such a great question you asked me because yes my entire perspective changed and i realized that i was no longer in the passenger seat i had just given and deferred the the driver's seat the whole time to other people when indeed i just needed to move over put my seatbelt on and grab the wheel Mm -hmm. do you tend to bring you know the saying they say you tend to like people that are like you or you want to be like do you what are your listeners mostly? Are they people that like to overcome things? Like what, what is your demographic of your listener that likes your perspective, I should say? I think my listener likes the fact that I give them hope. And I don't only give them hope. I give them actual solutions to get to where they need to go. And they need it because they've never been told how to do it. And so they, you know, it, it's interesting for a long time. It was crazy. You know, it was pretty cool for about two years. My, my, you know, when he comes to my clients, my average client, I mean, like I had like 40 percent was male and uh, like 30 percent of my clients were uh, Muslim, Muslim males. And out of that percentage, about 25, 30 percent of them were male Muslim surgeons. Hmm. Okay, and so Hmm. I have an ability to talk to people without I don't know. It's like it's like all the all the facade and all the female male and all that stuff just goes away and they can hear me for what I'm saying. And I'll I'll listen to exactly what needs to what they're telling me and I will help them figure out exactly how to get where they need to go uh, because I can see it from that unique perspective. And I think that's what people are looking for. And that's who's tuning into my show because they're like she's 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 figured out stuff. Let me listen to what she's got to say, because you know what, this could change my life. And most of the time people are going through some real hellacious parts of their life, whether it's health, whether it's a really, really tough marriage, whether they're an abusive marriage, whether they're in a toxic family, whatever, they know that there's something at the end of that tunnel. And I think that they hear in my voice that I've seen, I like, I've seen the paradise. I know it exists and I've seen the hell and I know that exists because I've been there. Yeah. And, I, and I think they know that I can transport them from hell to where they need to go because 
they can hear it. I think that they know I've been there. Yeah. Man, we, of course, would love to chat with you all day here, and uh, I know there's so much more that we can cover. Um, just uh, amazing. I mean, really, when you when you think about where your life could be in this moment versus where you are now, I, I mean, it's there, there's so many others, I mean, countless others who would have given up so long ago. So we're obviously sure. honored and, uh, you know, just thrilled that you're still here with us, still fighting the good fight and uh, have taken things into your own hands and uh, and are sharing that wisdom and sharing your perspective uh, in as many ways as you are. So if people want to grab uh, more information about you, Ashley, where, where are some of the places for them to go? I know you got your books and you got your shows and so on. Why don't you uh, just give us a, a rundown real quick and uh, best place for somebody to start? Oh, thank you so much uh, for offering that. Um, yeah, just go to AshleyBurgess.com. Ashley, and my name is a little uniquely spelled. It's B-E-R-G-E-S, B-E-R-G-E-S.com. So AshleyBurgess.com. Um, and also, if you go there, you can actually find everything. You can find links to the podcast, to the radio show, to the Amazon Prime show. Um, all the social media options and everything are right there on that front page. And um, you can just link right there. And one of the things that I'm really proud about right now is my YouTube channel. So you, my YouTube channel has consistent video every week uh, dealing with everything from toxic families to overcoming adversity to dealing with narcissists to defining borderline personality disorder. All that stuff is housed and um, new videos every single week. And I have a really cool community that's there. Um, we're almost hit 10,000 at this time. So that's pretty cool. Nice. Um, and it, it's just Ashley Burgess. Just go to Ashley and then put B-E-R-G-E-S in the YouTube search, but you can find that link on the website as well. Yeah. All right, Ashley, really do appreciate you spending so much time with us here on reinvention radio. And uh, of course we wish you continued health, good health and, uh, continued strength and, uh, look forward to hanging with you again at the, the new media summit very, very, very soon. So thank yeah, you. Yeah, me too. Yeah, my friend. All right. Thanks for joining us. Hi, Ashley. We'll talk to you soon and uh, and talk about a, a story of, uh, of strength and, and persevering and just fighting the good fight and taking things back into your own hands after everyone else has told you, you know, hey, you got to do A to say, yeah, I want to do B and, uh, and be in the better for it. I mean, it's... Um, She's amazing. Yeah. Super yeah. cool person. Yeah, super cool person, super cool story and... I kept wanting to know if it was the boyfriend that turned into the husband. Oh, yeah. right? I, I know. Yeah. I was like, oh, I don't want to start yet. Yeah. We'll find out in February. Oh, right. <laughs> I know. There's so much more to that. But, yeah, definitely check out Ashley Burgess and AshleyBurgess.com and her YouTube channel and so on and so forth. So if that doesn't change your perspective, my friends, I don't know what will. But uh, I'll tell you what, it certainly changed mine. And for the producer extraordinaire, Kelly Pelker, hanging out here with us and Richie Ote and White Way holding it down in the studio. Mary Gouley will be back with us next week. I'm Steve Olsher. We'll talk to you next time here on Reinvention Radio. You just got dismantled. Thanks for listening to Reinvention Radio. For more information about the show and your host, Steve Olsher, visit ReinventionRadio.com. 
Attention coaches, authors, speakers, and business owners. Please pay close attention to what I'm about to say if you want to secure massive visibility fast and generate thousands of highly qualified leads without spending a dime on advertising or marketing. The easiest way to make this happen is to appear as a guest on the world's most popular podcast. We recently came across an awesome resource that provides detailed contact information for 240 new media influencers who are looking for guests just like you. It's called the Ultimate Directory, and for a limited time, you can get the preview edition of the directory absolutely free. That's right, for free. It's time for you to get the visibility you and your business deserve and connect with the world's leading icons of influence who can make you famous with the push of a button. Get your free preview edition of the Ultimate Directory right now at www.myultimatedirectory.com. That's myultimatedirectory.com.